and welcome to Goods Conversations by the Queen's Business Review. Here at QBR, we believe in illuminating topics of interest and celebrating the power of information. Throughout this academic year, join myself and QBR as we celebrate the diverse ideas and opinions of our graduating class. I'm your host, Zuni Kosla, and this week I'm joined by James Quinn as we discuss his jump from corporate to startup. Thanks for being here. We're so excited to have you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. When I heard about the podcast, I thought it was a really good idea, so I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Uh, Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about your path to tech in the first place? For sure, yeah. So when I came into the commerce program at Queen's, I had a really big bias, I guess you could call it, towards going to finance. Yeah, Um, as many of us (laughs) do. Um, Yeah, so I, I thought I wanted to be an investment banker, and that's kind of how I positioned myself. Did you know anything about investment banking? To be completely honest, no. <laughs> yeah, see, that's most of us. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it, it was, I was kind of attracted towards a lot of the, I guess, the glamour associated with it. Right. And I also knew a lot of people who had worked towards finance before, so that's kind of why I was originally interested in it. And as I kind of uh, pursued my time through the commerce program, I had the opportunity to get involved with uh, different commerce clubs such as QFAC and Limestone. Right. Um, and those are amazing experiences. And I love yeah. what I did on them, like worked with great people and I learned a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I found that the work that I was working on wasn't necessarily what I saw myself doing for the rest of my life. And why was that? Um, I think it really came down to the like t- types of things that I liked doing when I was young, actually. Um, I was really big into like building my own things and working on a number of different tasks. How come you didn't go into engineering? Uh, <laughs> it's funny you ask that, actually. I was uh, in grade six, like that's the only thing I thought I was going to be. Oh my god, grade six? Yes. Wow. So I actually had the best high school or elementary school teacher mm-hmm. and she was pushing me to build new things all the time, like design new things. like. I thought I designed the first ever water power engine when I was in grade six at the same time, Um, which obviously had many flaws, but she was super encouraging of it. And yeah, so I was originally interested in engineering, but Mm -hmm. uh, a number of different reasons I changed that. Like my dad was super into finance and I kind of got pushed into uh, shaping my interest that way. No, I'll be honest. I was into into science until literally grade 12 and then got into (laughs) Queens and was like, wow, if I'm lucky enough to get in here, I should probably come and just abandon everything I had worked for for so many years. So yes, impulse decisions do happen. Yeah, so, and then, like, just based on those interests, I knew that something that I wanted to do was be more hands-on with a product. Right. uh, And be a little bit more technical. And because of that, I decided that in between my second and third year at Queen's, I wanted to try something completely different. And uh, with a couple of friends that I currently live with, we decided that we are going to move to Europe and try something (laughs) completely different. As one does. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which at the time was a completely crazy uh, situation to us. None of us had ever been to Europe before. Yeah, I was just going to say, so why Europe then? I think that it really came down to where we saw the most opportunity for us to actually do something that was related to what we've done before like I think you can draw many parallels between North America yeah, and Europe absolutely. versus uh, other different countries and we also wanted to move to a country that was English speaking mm-hmm. so that really narrowed our European options <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah we ended up uh, deciding on London right and um, once we decided on the country we we're like great like how do we get there like 
How do we get jobs? So like, you've just you've decided on the country before you decided on what it is that you would be doing there. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, like I think everyone who was friends with us, mm-hmm. including ourselves, thought we were completely crazy yeah. at the time. But yeah, so th- that's what we decided to do. So we looked into how we could uh, actually live there and travel there right. uh, because you, know, you need visas mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. And we found a place that we wanted to live. Uh, we ended up living in the Shoreditch area. I'm not sure if you've no, heard I don't, about that. No. Uh, but it's like a, it's like a very like up and coming like uh, bougie, I guess you could call it <laughs> okay. area, um, with like lots of good like nightlife. And yeah, like, I guess people. that's the vibe. <laughs> like second year after second year, that's probably where I'd want to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, well, we decided on that, and I'm like, great. Now we need jobs. Like, oh my we bought our tickets. I can't believe like... <laughs> that at this stage is when you're having that thought. Good for you. I'd be too terrified to do something like that. Yeah, honestly, like. We were terrified too, but mm-hmm. I guess looking back at our past experiences, like I think we were pretty confident that we would be able to find something, like whether it was like working at a bar or cleaning streets or doing whatever, like we right. thought that we had the potential to be able to find a job. And So do you think that confidence in knowing that you would land something kind of pushed you to do it? Yes. Because I think like that's probably the biggest barrier for someone who's like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea, but I'm just you know, too afraid. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And the other big part of it is having such a good support system. Right. I guess at the end of the day, like, I have, like, the most amazing parents. Mm -hmm. uh, And I have a great, like, strong family that was willing to support me. Right. Um, So having that kind of backing allowed me to take that kind of risk. Like, I knew that if I went to London, like, we only bought a one-way ticket, actually, to London. (laughs) (laughs) This is stressing me out. (laughs) We didn't know when uh, we were actually going to come back. So... What we did was we bought our one-way ticket, and we're like, okay, if it doesn't work out, we're going to travel for the month of May, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back, and then we'll get jobs. Like, my dad owns a marina. I could work there, or I could find something else in Canada right? Uh, where we have that structure. So then we'd still get the opportunity to make some money over the summer, but also the opportunity to do some travel in Europe. Okay. Um, luckily, we were able to stay there for the whole summer. So. Right. So what did, it, what did you find? So we... Found a number of different opportunities actually. Okay. Um, at first, I emailed probably about two hundred and fifty <laughs> people uh, from like LinkedIn and like various resources. Right. And then we also started looking on like things like Glassdoor. Yeah. Um, and through Glassdoor, we were actually able to find uh, a teaching assistant position in elementary schools uh, in the UK. That is not what I would have expected yes, I know. you to say. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> I ended up finding that, actually, like, I was one of the ones out of my friends that found that, and after I did my interview with them, uh, they were, like, asking if they had anyone else that we wanted to refer to, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I'm coming over with two friends, like, they would love to, like, (laughs) do this type of thing. That's awesome. And so they both got on board into the program, and it seemed like the kind of weirdest situation ever. Like, I don't know if you know how the school system works there, but it is, like, basically a private system Mm -hmm. where... They use recruitment agencies to pair different like teachers for short term or long term. Right. And so we were the teaching assistants that would go in and help the schools, uh, and you'd be working with children who had like disabilities or um, other types of uh, like troubled upbringings, and they were in a certain kind of school for that. What um, were what were the challenges with this then? Uh, well, with this job, I you needed to get a UK police check and a Canadian police check and go through all this administrative because you were also working with right. uh, kids, Vulnerable, right? Yeah. And so I had my Canadian police check, and so did my friends, and then we had to apply to get a UK police check. 
and both of those friends ended up getting their police check, but my my police check in the UK never came in for it. it got like caught up in administrative. Oh, is that the you want to yeah, share yeah. here? <laughs> <laughs> That's always the question I get. But yeah, so like, it just got caught up in administrative, like for one reason, and it wasn't coming in. And so I was like, what am I going to do? Now I'm in London. It's one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in. Yep. And I have absolutely no money. So um, I started going around London and I was handed out probably about 100 resumes. And I'm like, I need oh to get a job. Goodness. This is the very <laughs> last place that I walked into. The guy is like, yeah, like, let me show you around. Like oh. after I handed my resume, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> And so he started, like, it was a bar, but mm-hmm. the specific bar I applied to, he ended up taking me actually to the rooftop patio of this, like, really, like, nice uh, outdoor fancy bar in London. And he ended up saying, yeah, you start tomorrow, like, we'll give you a trial period. And Ooh. I was like, great, I'll take it. Like, Bartending? Yeah, uh, it was actually a bar back, so I was okay. running dishes from the back to the front, All and right. stocking quite fridges. A, quite a switch from finance. Yeah. Uh, quite quite the switch <laughs> not exactly what I expected myself to be doing that's okay it's not always glamorous <laughs> um but yeah so I ended up doing that for about one and a half days oh <laughs> and then I got um what actually happened to be the most I guess uh life-changing email I've ever got oh I can't wait and tell me <laughs> I uh, ended up getting an email from a guy named Jeff Kaufman, mm-hmm. who is the CEO of Trent, and he was uh, someone that I cold emailed in April. So one of the 200. One of the 200. Probably, okay. I think one of like two or three that actually got back to me earlier. <laughs> okay. And the thing is, I ended up actually doing two interviews with this company in uh, May, during, or in April during the exam period. Right. And Was it here or in London? When I was here, I was okay, doing okay. it over uh, Zoom, yeah. like a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was they're like, okay, like you might be able to do some work in our customer support. Like we really like your enthusiasm. Um, so I met with like some of the team. I met with the commercial director. I met with Je- actually Jeff himself. And at the end of the day, what they told me is like, like, look, you're, you're great. Like we'd love to have you on the team. But over the next like three weeks, we're onboarding eight new people. And we don't really have the capacity to carve you out a role. Um, So I was like, great, like, thanks for, like, considering it. And then uh, that was that. Mm -hmm. And then so I got that email while I was working at this rooftop bar. And he's like, it was just, like, literally just a subject line that said, did you make it to London? (laughs) (laughs) So I reply, I'm like, yes, I made it to London. Like, I'm here right now. And um, I would love to come to your office and meet you. And so he invited me over to his office. And, like, I got to meet, like, some of the developers on the team. And, like, it was really cool, like... Uh, co-working space right. with like plants and dogs in the building <laughs> and I was like wow this is this is sick and so I talked to him and his commercial director and they're telling me about a few projects they want to work on um, asked me a few questions and then we part ways and that night I'm uh, going to dinner with two of my friends and I get an email and uh, with a new subject line and this one says welcome to the team wow uh, we'd love to offer you an internship position for the remainder of the summer and like at that point, I was ecstatic. Like I, I went from working at a rooftop patio as a barback mm-hmm. um, to now working at uh, my first like first time working at a tech startup. Type right, thing. and well, it really is because of the initiative that you took early on, right? Yeah, I guess it, it, it does come from that. But like, I, like I never thought that I would end this way. But I think we're really draws into this is like really having perseverance and just like doing whatever it needs to yeah if it takes 200 emails send 200 emails (laughs) like yeah I'm telling you like people usually hear stories like this and think oh like 
you just got lucky, like that email was probably your first one. Um, and it, it's really discouraging, I'm sure, like for other people to hear. But when they know, you know, how much actually goes into it and how many no's that you get before yeah. you land something, yeah, it does become inspiring. It really does. Yeah, like I guess one of the things also just to put out there was the person who ended up getting back to me was a LinkedIn profile that Ellie Rosenbaum, who was uh, the CEO of Limestone uh, Capital at the time, sent me. And uh, that was made a huge impact in my life because although like I was on this finance focus club, he knew I was interested in this and he sent me over some LinkedIn profiles and I emailed them and that was one of the ones that got back. So what's your advice for the students who aren't on any of these clubs? Um, I would say reach out to upper years students right. and leverage the other mentorship resources that mm-hmm. have, are accessible. Right. Um, because there are. There's so many. There is a yeah. lot, yeah. And I think a lot of them maybe sometimes go under the radar or people don't know about them. Uh, but I'm actually involved with like the Career Advancement Center's peer mentorship program, um, which is a great resource great. with students who are older and have like lots of different experience in a variety of different industries. Yeah, we're, we're looking to help. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just ask. That's great. Um, okay, so tell me about your experience then working with this company. Yeah, so uh, so the company is called Trint, mm-hmm. and basically what it does is um, it's an applied AI startup that use it, uh, does speech to text and provides a platform for you to edit the text that comes from the speech. Um, okay. So it's kind of like Microsoft Word for the spoken word. Um, so for example, this podcast, you could upload it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll take what we've said, put it into... So it's basically like a transcript? Yeah, it's a transcript, okay. but an editable transcript. Okay. And that uh, essentially is really useful for anyone in journalism, anyone in media. Doctors. Who, doctors, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, exactly. And it was started by uh, Jeff Kaufman, who was the CEO, mm-hmm. who was a war correspondent and journalist uh, wow. in Afghanistan. And he has the most amazing stories. Yeah. So. <laughs> I can imagine. But... I ended up uh, working there and I did three things. Mm -hmm. The first was I was helping out on customer support, uh, so dealing with customer inquiries as they were coming in. Uh, The second, I was doing market research. So as you can imagine, the company has a big application to people who have disabilities uh, because uh, it allows things like for adding captions to videos or allowing like video playback. Um, So... I was doing research at universities to see how we could make e-learning content more accessible using our platform. Mm-hmm. And lastly, I was doing market sizing. Uh, so they were currently looking to grow and maybe get additional capital to help fund the business and expansion into different areas. Right. Uh, so I was doing some market sizing there. It's a lot of responsibility, actually, for something yes. right away. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the things that I loved about working at yeah. the tech startup or mm-hmm. in like such a small company was even though I was such a junior employee and some random kid from Canada that came across <laughs> the pond, yeah. uh, they trusted me from day one and they, I knew that as much work as I was willing to put in was as much work as they would give me. Um, I was only one of just under 30 employees, I think, at the time, mm-hmm. and the amount of responsibility I got was crazy. Yeah, and I, was... I've always preferred my experience at you know smaller companies to those of medium or larger ones, just because it's not that the work is less important, so they give it to you or like offload onto you. It's just that they give you the chance to like rise to the occasion, show us what yeah. you can do, and you know that's important as an intern. Like that's what you're here to learn. You're here <laughs> to prove yourself, and so. Yeah, I've always really appreciated that, actually. Exactly, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you had opportunities to expand beyond your role, which I'm sure uh, meant a lot to you. What are some of the things that you took away from this For sure. experience? So, yeah. I guess like I, I worked at a, a bigger, large company mm -hmm. uh, the year before, <clears throat> and I had a great experience there as well. Like I worked with a really great team. But I didn't love a lot of like the bureaucracy that I faced and yeah. a lot of the red tape. That's... I always make a joke that <laughs> how many people am I going to have to ask before I go to the bathroom? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah exactly. So um, my biggest takeaway was like really that at a smaller company and one that's like looking for uh, innovation and growth, mm -hmm. you have the opportunity to do things on your own because people trust you and people will give you the responsibility as long as you're like willing to take it. Right. And I absolutely love that. And that kind of ties back into what I was saying earlier about how I love to build things. I love to take on my own projects and um, work on a variety of different tasks. And that's kind of what I got to do while working at Trent. And it was something that really motivated me as an individual and made me feel as if I was contributing to this company uh, in a meaningful way. Right. Um, what else did you take away from this experience? Out of this experience, I also uh, found that I was super interested in, in working in tech mm -hmm. and wanted the opportunity to develop something of my own. And over the summer, I ended up working with two of my housemates at the time. Okay. Are these the same uh, people who followed you to London? So one of them was, okay. and one of them was another housemate that was, lives in Nova Scotia. Okay. okay. Um, and he wasn't with us at the time. And we started working on an idea for uh, what we call Burst. Mm -hmm. And uh, what Burst is, is it's a mobile-based application for students to access events that are tailored to their interest on campus, uh, university resources, as well as their like class calendars. Events as in? So anything that like a club or a society or even an entity like per se at the right. university wants to put on and attract students to find. So it's like a consolidated version of all the posts that we get on Facebook. Yes, essentially. Okay. So if you like, hopefully to or <laughs> lessen the amount of stress on your Facebook feed that you get from all the different. Yeah. So would posts. you say that that's you know the value prop of the app or what else? Yeah, the biggest value prop is finding events that are tailored to your interests. Mm -hmm. I would say what we really wanted to do was take like these thousands of events that you're seeing in your feed. Yeah. And taking what you're actually interested in and showing those at the top of your feed, uh, whether or not you're, they're from your society or not. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest problems that we saw was that being in commerce, I saw a lot of commerce events, yeah. <laughs> which is great. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but a lot of them are really tailored towards like marketing, finance, consulting, accounting. And the only way that I was really exposed to different events that were related to maybe like AI and technology was through my housemates in engineering. Yeah. So that's basically the idea for Burst. So Burst is essentially like popping a bubble. Oh. Like breaking out of those inter-faculty bubbles. And that's actually clever. Nice. students <laughs> to find things that match their interests yeah. but not necessarily in their faculty. Because honestly for me until I joined, you know, science or engineering related clubs, I never saw any of these events and now I'm the only one I guess sharing all of them <laughs> and so everyone in commerce is probably like, well, what's that girl doing? But yeah, no, I understand. Um, so yeah, what was your journey then with Burst? I mean, it can't be easy to start something brand new by yourself. Yeah. Or with, you know, small group. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely putting it lightly. It was a bigger mm -hmm. task. It's been a bigger task. 
than I could have ever imagined it being. Mm -hmm. I've never started a company before, and I let alone never started a tech. Really? We all have. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at first it was really about hashing out the idea and seeing if this is going to be something that people want. So how do you test? That's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's one that I'm still working on. Uh, but originally, I, I, you start with like a little bit of secondary research, so just searching about like what other platforms are out there that might accomplish the same task, right. like what types of things you might need in your platform, but trying to avoid too much secondary research because mm-hmm. you'll find a lot of things online that might not be actually relevant, or might be outdated, or might even just be dictated towards like a totally different demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, where the real research come in is doing primary research. So talking to your fellow classmates, yeah, uh, preferably classmates that you don't know very well because they're going to be giving you a lot more honest <laughs> answers. That I think that's true um, because they don't want like they won't be yeah they don't want to hurt your feelings you of course whatnot. Um, so yeah, what we did was like we ran some like usability testing with some mocks that we did on paper, and we're like I'm having Enon flashbacks. What type of, yeah. <laughs> <But yes. laughs> exactly. Well, it's some of the stuff that you learned in that class that definitely comes useful. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, so it's really like doing as much primary research, talking to as many people as we possible, is like, and finding out the questions like, is this something that people would use? Like, what features would they need? And like, how can we uh, deploy this effectively on campus? Hmm. It's interesting. I feel like, you know, one of the things that holds people back if they do have an idea is just, you know, oh, someone's already had that idea or it already must exist or whatever. And I feel like people don't uh, always understand that. A new idea can come from simply like innovating on a previous one, right? Like there's yes. a lot of um, different like, derivatives of certain ideas, <laughs> and yeah, like that's something that shouldn't really stop you too. Because I remember, um, you know, even I had an idea for something a few years ago, and I was like, oh, there's no way, like this doesn't exist. And I looked, and my specific version didn't exist, but so many, you know, similar offerings did, and so that really like the idea died there. Like I was like, oh, this is too much. Um, so yeah, so what's your advice with that then? That's a really good question actually and I definitely see that a lot and it's like a struggle that I continue to face myself because I think at a base level a lot of ideas can seem very very similar Mm -hmm. but there's little like nuances that you can implement or that you you might be included in your own idea that actually are a big differentiator and will be a di- like help you to succeed in the market after or a new problem. market like one yeah. you know feature switch could honestly you know pivot one or pivot you from one market to another a completely different other one exactly so it'd be really searching for like those key, those key differentiators mm-hmm. and making sure that those will be enough um, and you'll figure that out through your primary research like look at maybe the competitor products and talk to people and be like what don't you like about this product like yeah. what's frustrating for you and you can iterate on that mm-hmm. and allow that to help you change your design or even maybe affirm some of your hypotheses that you had before in making some of those changes what have been you know some of the highlights and lowlights of this experience <laughs> um def- the highlights are definitely working with such an amazing team yeah, i think it's got um, rewarding I work with, uh, it originally started with two of my housemates, and then we added in another guy, and Mm -hmm. honestly, they're all such great guys, like, we get along really well, we have lots of laughs, and even when things go wrong, like, we still find a way to have a good time, and um, we just push through that, so 
that's honestly been the most rewarding thing for me. Yeah, that comes back to how important support is, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, having a, a support system, people who are willing to like fight for you and with you is definitely really important. Right. Um, in terms of the lows, like honestly, there hasn't been too many. Um, You've gone off easy. Like, <laughs> like like I said, like we kind of laugh through them as they come. Right. The biggest thing right now is that um, we've seen, we've had like a lot of different delays that we didn't foresee. Mm -hmm. And that's really tough to take because when you start, when you start having these expectations for when things are going to be done uh, and then it just doesn't happen, um, it really like changes your whole process and adds a lot more work. Because yeah, I'd you say it also breaks the momentum. Right? It does yeah. break the momentum a lot. And that's really tough as a team for us. Um, and something that like we're still struggling with now like we our plan was to launch in September of this year and we thought it would be a great way to yeah I was gonna ask where in the pipeline is yeah. this <laughs> so that was our plan uh -huh. and we were all ready to go like uh, we started an ambassador program we had a huge marketing campaign that was ready to set out we were supposed to talk at a number of different uh, like the sidewalk sale and, yeah. or like different faculty uh, events mm -hmm. and all that kind of fell through the water because we didn't have our um, app finished so where we stand now is we're still working on iterating that app and our plan is to launch in frost week of 2020. Okay. Um, so hopefully that comes through fruition, but uh, at the same time, you can't like, you can't put all your eggs in one basket because that might not happen. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, thanks so much for sharing. I feel like you've inspired a lot of us, hopefully <laughs> from today. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Awesome.